Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get started. Straight from New York. Yo, yo, this handsome man. You yo, yo. are now tuned in to Al Joe the Funk Master. Watch your grill, you'll get knocked out cold fast. And talking shit, now we talking facts. Where the man are off the back. You in trouble, came to burst your bubble. I don't shelter punches. They find home on your mind about the devil. It's the weekly scraps. You don't need a map. GPS, I'm right here to lead it. That's right. The world doesn't know it needs, but I wrote disease. Planet, fuck a name and the fame. Only legacy remains. Remember the name, how Jermaine Sterling uh, It ain't shit, it ain't shit Motherfucker What's up guys, welcome back to the weekly Scraps episode 157 UFC 269 is in the books, and it was a great event, great card Glad I was actually able to make the flight and make it all the way back from New York Back to Vegas in a two-day turnaround uh, to get back in time for the fights and uh, get to experience that. That was um, one of those memories, those moments, just to be able to, one, hang out with Chris and his kid, one of my boys, uh, Will, um, some of the other fighters as well, and to see such a shakeup in one of the divisions and some people just kind of just staking their claim to who they are and what they're going to be able to accomplish in this in this sport um, it's just one of those things you can't really put like, uh, I guess a value on it. You know, I've been to a lot of events, but this was a great one to be a part of. Got to meet some really cool people. And, uh, outside of that, especially just witnessing Juliana Pena and the way she just thinks and believes in herself. And a lot of people wrote her off and, and I don't want to say I wrote her off, but I knew it was a very tough task and I knew, man, it could get tired. But for the most part, the odds of the fight going that way just seemed like they were slim to none, you know? And it was just one of those things where she overcame the odds and, and the obstacles got the job done. And beautiful, man. Congrats to her. But before we get into that, so flew all the way back. We had the wedding, Dylan Montel's wedding. So congrats to those guys. Sam, Dylan, congrats to you. Hope you guys have a great journey on your new, wait, a great, wait, no, a great start to your new journey. That's the way I meant it. So thanks for inviting us out. Beck and I had a really good time, and it was really fun to get to hang out with everybody. Ray, Matt, Sarah, Marab, uh, James, Damien, Dennis, everybody, the whole crew, Pombos, Pumi, Steve. It, it, we had the, pretty much the entire gang. Uh, the one person that we were missing was Weidman. Um, that kind of that was a tough one. Obviously, he had to do some stuff. He came actually to Vegas with his son, and he had some things he had to do with uh, CJ. So great time. And again, we got back to the fights in time, and we're going to start this off with obviously the main event, Charles Oliveira. How good was he in the way that he dominated? And I, my odds boots pick, terrible. A couple of the fights that I, I picked just did not go the way I thought they were going to go, like, at all. Like, I did really, really bad with my picks. But Charles Oliveira, great performance. Uh, Dustin, he had some moments, but for me... The reason I I leaned towards Oliveira in that one was because of the grappling exchanges. We've seen Dustin kind of struggle with Khabib before. Not kind of struggle. We've seen him struggle with Khabib before. Uh, and that's one of those things. And even in the title fight, it was almost like deja vu for him because he even said it. And he was just like, I can't believe I made it to a world title fight again. And I got choked out, like, again. And, you know, And I, I felt for him when he said that, man, because I'm like, I... I couldn't imagine how much that cuts deep and to do everything that he did to overcome all those obstacles to get back to that position 
to get another shot at the UFC title, let alone get one, is super hard to do. And for him to get back to get two, um, that's a tough task. And uh, it's, it's got to be a tough one from Swell. So I don't really know where he goes from here. There's fun matchups if he wants to just collect a paycheck. I don't know if he's going to get a, another crack at the title anytime soon, unless there was a major shakeup, which could happen. You know, he beat Justin Gaethje. Maybe Justin Gaethje comes in and takes out Charles Oliveira. Then we have Gaethje versus Poirier, too, and gives him another crack at the title. But then you got Conor McGregor on the way back. Um, he's going to be healing up and being and coming back from his injury. So there's a lot of there's a lot of fun fights for him, but... I don't know if any of them necessarily gets him right back into the title picture. And obviously, you got Islam Makachev taking on um, Benil Darius. The winner of that should be getting the next crack at Charles Oliveira. But I think Gaethje is going to be the next guy in line for sure. And then the fight with Benil and Islam Makachev will be the person in the waiting in the wings after that, so to speak. Um, so Dustin, he did he did some some really good things. And full disclosure, I was pretty lit. We had we had a good time. We had a couple of people that were in, in sit, uh, very um, persuasive that I should have these double shots with them. And then I had another party of fighters on the other side being very, very persuasive as well that I should have this double shot with them. After doing one each, I realized I was being bamboozled. The other, the other group got me back to do a second. And after that, I was like, dude, I cannot do another one because this is crazy. I got to survive the night. It was only about 5 o'clock. So a whole lot of night left to go. I, and I'm already four shots in. I was like, I think I need a little bit of a break to kind of make sure I can actually be coherent to watch the fights and don't do anything too, too ridiculous, you know? Um, so that, that was one of those things. But it was a great time. We got to hang out with the, the VIP fan experience um, before we head down. So I was a little lit watching the fights. So... Actually, today I had to rewatch some of them because that's how lit I really was. <laughs> but it was a good time. I had a great time. I had a really good time. And uh, to see the, the fight with Poirier, that was, like I said, it was that was heartbreaking. But Charles Oliveira looked like a man on a mission. I think he's going to be a very, very tough guy for a lot of these lightweights to beat because he, he could do it all. He's durable. We see that he doesn't quit anymore. I mean, that was been a quit big question mark in the past. And people tend to still write him off and tend like each fight. He's going to quit this time. He's going to quit this time. If you just push the right button, he's going to quit. But he hasn't. I think he's eight fights in, in a, eight fights in a row now. I think we got to kind of give the man his respect and realize, like, this is a completely different animal compared to the one that lost those past fights before where we were questioning his heart, questioning his durability or his mental toughness kind of, kind of thing. So I think his fellow fighters have to kind of chill out with that and realize, like, hey, man, this is a serious problem that you guys have in front of you in this lightweight division. And I do think if things continue to go this way, uh, a guy like Benil Darius can make things interesting because of his his grappling. Um, Islam Makachev can make things interesting because he's strong. I don't know how great his grappling is. I know obviously he hit a Kimura on Dan Hooker, but we're talking about Dan Hooker versus Charles Oliveira in terms of the jiu-jitsu space. It's a completely different realm of skill set. One guy is a legitimate black belt. The other guy just kind of trains jiu-jitsu probably sometimes in the training camp, you know? And that's not a knock on hooker. That's just the real, that is just the fact, you know? I think he's going to be a very, very tough guy for a lot of those guys to to be. I would be very, very, and I've said this before, interested to see if maybe in a perfect world, Islam beats Dariush. He gets the title shot. Charles Oliveira takes out Justin Gaethje. 
and I, let me not say perfect world because then it might sound like I'm whatever. I'm just saying like in a crazy scenario, like hypothetically speaking, Islam beats Dariush, um, Oliveira beats Justin Gaethje. Um, now Dariush, now Islam is now fighting Oliveira. Oliveira beats Islam. Would that be something that can entice Khabib to come back and make a return to try to figure out the puzzle of Charles Oliveira? That could be something that could be a huge fight, I think, for the division and to bring Khabib back to possibly challenge himself to get that 30-0. and You know, 29-0 and is still amazing. It's super hard to do in this sport. Um, but for him to go out and actually fight a specialist like that, which is what we all wanted from Khabib, He's fought a lot of guys that haven't had the greatest uh, grappling pedigree. This would be one of those puzzles that we get to see if he can overcome that as well. And, of course, it's Khabib. He takes guys down. He smashes them, controls them. He's a very smart fighter. But it's different when you get to see the matchup actually play out and happen, see how things would have gone, so to speak. You know, I do think Charles Oliveira's skill set is going to be one that's going to be hard to beat for a lot of people for years to come if he really wants to. If he keeps the focus like this, I just can't see any... How's anyone beating his jiu-jitsu? You got to get the guy tired. I mean, you see the Paul Felder fight where he got exhausted from him hitting like 20 different submissions in a row and then he gassed himself out and then Paul was able to come back and TKO him. That was his last loss. Ever since then, a lot more calculated, a lot smarter with his approach, a lot more technical with how he breaks guys down, the body locks, uh, the rear naked chokes, the diversity of his submission attacks, uh... And his wrestling is, I think, is very underrated. What he did to Kevin Lee, I think a lot of people are not. Like I said, I don't think a lot of people were giving him his respect before, and I think now they 100% have to realize this is a Charles Oliveira show, and he's going to be here for a very long time. Um, he was already here for a long time, but now the Charles Oliveira Express has fully arrived, and I, I think he's going to be a tough guy for a lot of those lightweights to beat them. I, I think Dariush makes a, a an interesting stylistic matchup. Islam makes an interesting stylistic matchup. Outside of that, we've seen the striker versus high-level jiu-jitsu again. And I think Dustin, like I said, tends to struggle with those guys who are very, very good on the ground. <clears throat> and that's not a knock on him. There's a lot of guys who are like that in the UFC that just don't have the diverse grappling pedigree to defend. Um, and we're gonna, I'm going to go forward on this one, especially when we get to Juliana Pena. Uh, there's a couple things that you see some people do well and some people they don't do well in the fights and I think that's just a testament to how much time they actually put into their grappling and I think Oliveira of course he's who he is for a reason you know so congrats to him and, and his team oh oh yeah and, and a fun fact on that he was actually sitting next to one of his guys was sitting next to us and they were showing my friend Will uh, a bunch of videos of him training how he took the back and the standing rear naked choke and how he was finishing and, and working in practice how them like th those guys drilling those positions and whatnot so it was cool to see that and then to see the fight end like that was like yo that's like poetic right there super dope you know so crazy stuff man um, kudos again uh, the next one Juliana Pena obviously upsetting the GOAT Amanda Nunez, which has to be probably up there with one of the greatest of all times in terms of upsets in history. I mean, you got Wyman versus Anderson Silva. You got Matt Serra over GSP. Um, in terms of the odds, I think Matt Serra versus GSP is still the highest odds. And now you have this one with Amanda Nunez losing to Juliana Pena. And not just losing, she lost in a very big way. Like almost, I don't want to say super dominantly because Amanda had her moments. 
there was one point where Juliana Pena was doing so good on the feet, pushing Nunez back, and then Amanda throws a shot. I think they slip off exchanges. Like I think they were both throwing a two. They came back with like a three, and then Amanda steps back and she lands one hard cross, which instantly swelled up the eye of Juliana Penny, which is crazy. That just shows how much power Amanda Nunes has when she sits down on her punches and she lands. It could be lights out just like that, you know. So, great fight for Juliana Pena. Talk about an upset, man. That was so crazy to see. The whole crowd was in shock. I was in shock. There's videos of my face. I'm just like, I didn't even know I was looking like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> People thought I had money in the fight. This is why I don't bet on fights because it gets too crazy for, like, unpredictableness like that. Again, we are all human. Sometimes you, the dog has their day, and every blind squirrel finds a nut once, you know? you know. So it's just one of those things. And um, Juliana Pena, it, she fights ugly, and it's effective for her. She knows how to win. She's a dog. Um, it might not be the most prettiest way for her to, like in terms of like someone hitting pads and trying to look all super crispy, clean with the combination. Like, oh, those are sharp punches. Kind of like a Dominic Cruz, the way he throws his punches. It's like... Not the way you would typically teach somebody how to punch, but everyone has their unique style that works for them, and that's what Juliana Pena does well. Her unique style works well for her. I know she's had a couple of tough ones with the Geronda May, Geronda May fight, um, the Shevchenko fight, and now this one, she managed to, the cream managed to rise to the top for this occasion for her, and she got the job done in a very, very big way. Um, to see that she hurt her with the hands and then put the finishing touches on her, took her down, choked her out without even putting any hooks in. Obviously, Amanda looked like she was just hurt really bad and it seemed like she just wanted out or maybe she was just really exhausted. A couple of different thoughts, thought processes for me in terms of that situation and how the finish went. Like It, it kind of looked like she gave up a bit. Um, but again, she got hurt really bad and it's just one of those things. It's, it's a fist fight, live to fight another day, so I get it. <clears throat> um, the one thing that I was talking about in terms of the grappling aspect, if you look at Pena, when she gets taken down, with that uh, nice hip toss. It was like a judo hip toss that um, Nunes hits on her. Reaps the leg, traps the arm, reaps the leg. She sits her down. She goes to the single leg. She comes up into a standing position. They disengage. And then they're back to the striking affair or whatever. That's one grappling exchange. And then the next one when uh, Amanda Nunes was on top. And then she managed to transition to the back. And Julie was just hanging on to that Kimura lock. Holding on to that Kimura lock while Amanda Nunes was on her back. Dead to right, she was like, I'm not letting this thing go. You can't choke me with the one arm because I feel safe here. Um, you can get choked with one arm, so guys, don't try that at home. <laughs> but she had the Kimura lock and no fear or worry about the choke. She managed to get her shoulders to the mat, look Amanda Nunes in the face, and then get to that single leg again. And she used that to get herself up on her hip. And when she was on her hip, that gave her the opportunity to get back to her feet. Um, I think a lot of people are missing that when it comes to grappling. And I, I, I don't know if that fight ended, that round ended on the ground. I did rewatch that one, but mm, I know it was a. I know she had that Kimura lock. Yeah, I think that one finished with the Kimura lock. But if you just watch how she got to the single leg to begin with, when Amanda was on top, she gives like a, kind of like a cheeky little smirk. And a smile to the to the whoever she's smiling at, and kind of like showing like yeah I'm okay in this position. And then Nunez was able to lock on that Kimura lock from the from the bottom even deeper, 
And I think you start to see the the change in Amanda's face that she had to really respect what was going on. Otherwise, she could have gotten her arm taken out and gotten swept or whatever. She swept her into the cage for a bit. And then that's when the, the bell... Oh, yeah, that's what happened. So the bell rings and then Pena just starts swinging while she's on her back. And then like three seconds, maybe like two seconds until the bell rang. And then they stopped the fight going into the second round. So... I just think people need to pay attention to the detail when it comes to how to get back to your feet, uh, creating space. Um, one of the things Dustin did was he kept his guard locked when Oliveira was on top. And I think people tend to think um, jujitsu practice where I'm going to keep my guard locked because I'm going to look to submit you off my back by throwing up a triangle or an armbar. If your style is to get up, the only way for you to get back to your feet is you have to unlock your legs. You've got to uncross your ankles and try to get to a hip, try to create some space, look for a frame, and try to get back to your feet. That is the most efficient way that you can get back up to a standing position. Other than that, if you do it the wrong way, you give your opponent an opportunity to trap the wrist, break you down, a la the Dagestani handcuff, which is... I mean, it's a wrestling wrist ride. We do that in wrestling all the time, two-on-one, because American wrestling, we are allowed to wrestle on the top position for a period of time, not like international wrestling where you get a takedown, a couple seconds you try to turn them, you can't turn them, you go back to your feet. American wrestling, we get a double wrist ride, we break you down, we're looking to control, we're looking to do gable arms, put the arm behind your back, put a power half on, bar your ass up. So it's, it's a different style of control. So you have to be careful when you're getting up so that you don't get locked into positions like that. If you stand too close where the guy can grab it really close, pull it in, or they can grab the elbow, break it down. Um, they can look for a Kimura trap, or they can step over, take your back. Or if you step up the wrong way, they can look for a choke. So you have to make sure you're doing your homework and how to get up, getting different looks, getting really good people who can transition to the back take so that you can get those reps in in the room. So that when you get to those fight situations that you understand those high stress situations and you don't get caught up in a moment where you can get submitted. Um, so Pena did a great job. She looked, man, she was a girl on fire. That jab that she landed like three or four times in a row in that second round right before the finish where she took her down, um, kind of like a hip toss. Not It wasn't a hip toss, but she grabbed her, kind of threw her down, kind of like to the side. And again, she didn't even need to throw the hooks and she just attacked the neck and put the rear naked choke on. Hookless and one big win for her. I think they're gonna definitely run it back. The one thing that was confusing to me concerning, I felt like Nunez didn't really look um, upset, bothered, angry, disappointed. It was kind of like she was just like, "All right, cool. All right, where's my baby? I want to go play with my baby," which is great. That's great. But it was just like it. It makes me wonder if like if they do run it back, is it gonna be more more or less of the the same thing? If if that makes any sense. Um, the next one, Ponzinibbio, that was a good fight with um, Jeff Neal. Jeff Neal wins, split decision. The one judge had 30-27. I thought it was 29-28 all the way across, but I guess you could kind of make the argument for 29-27. I didn't really, I wasn't sure that Ponzinibbio won two out of the, uh, I don't know. It depends on what you're looking at because they both had their moments. I mean, he got the takedown, but the takedown, he kind of got right up after the using the wizard and kind of bumping into him and kind of resetting the position back to the feet. And Jeff Neal landed some good shots. So did Ponzinibbio in some moments of that second round and some moments in the third round. But for the most part, I felt like Jeff Neal was controlling the dance. And I thought that was enough for me to give him the 29-28 decision. Uh, Kai Kata France. Man, 
The knockout over Cody Garbrandt. Let's just talk about like the power. What I said was Kai Kata-France was sit down on his punches, where Cody's more like, I'm going to blitz you and kind of catch you in, in between that blinking where you don't see me coming at you, you know, where it's just bop, 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 bop. And when you catch to somebody like that off guard, it's easy to get knocked out when you don't see the shots coming. And I'm not saying that's the only reason why Cody knocked people, uh, people out before. He's just so fast that if you don't see it coming, it catches you off guard, you're, you're going to sleep. Kai Kata-France walks him down a bunch of times, sits down on that right hand, hurts him pretty bad, um, chases him around the cage, hits him so hard he get he like bounces off of the uh, the octagon back into space, puts his hands up, and he's waving him in. And then normally when someone waves you in and taunts you in when they're hurt, you think they're gonna sit down, bite bite down on their uh, their mouth guard and just start throwing some crazy leather, but instead. Uh, Garbrandt waits for the right hand load up, slips underneath beautifully, hits a beautifully timed double leg takedown. But then he gets to the back control. Kai Kata-Franz gets to all fours. He goes two on one, super easy. It didn't even look like there was any resistance there. And obviously, Cody doesn't use his wrestling like a jiu-jitsu guy. It's just more so like if it gets a quick takedown. And I, I almost wonder if it's even worth the energy expenditure to even do that. And obviously, he was hurt. So in this scenario, maybe yes. Get a couple of seconds to breathe. But if that's the case, why not take a little bit more time in that position? Control, um, keep the hands locked, kick the ankles, or should I say kick the calves. Try to beat up the opponent while you have your hands clasped behind them, that type of thing. But instead, I felt like he was kind of very, he kind of just gave up that position like relatively easy. And I don't know how hard Kai Kata-France was fighting that two-on-one, but it just seems like he got out like as soon as he put his hands down and went two-on-one, he just got out, like, right away. Um, when he dropped Cody the first time, it's when Cody threw a kick. Now, we always said Cody would be this martial artist if he threw more kicks and added more diversity to his striking game, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's only throwing hands. He just tries to box everyone. Oh, he always goes crazy. People say all these things and critique him. Now, the one time he throws, not the one time, but, you know, this time he tries to mix it up. He throws a kick. And what happens? He gets countered right on that kick. And in between that counter, he closes his eyes. And that's what it looks like. It looks like he closes his eyes. And Kai Kata-France just drops a heavy right hand on the chin. And that sits him down. And then, the, and I think that one actually dropped. I think he actually went limp on that one. That one, he went limp going backwards. Then he got back up. And that's when he got hit again into the cage. And I, I, it looked like he fell down again. It was just a great night for Kai Kata-France. And to show that the flyweights do have power. And it, it is... Something that I think we have to wonder if Cody's chin is gone. And we've wondered this before at the at the Bantamweight division, where obviously guys are a little bit heavier, they hit harder. This extra 10 pounds of a weight cut. Some people are saying it wasn't the weight cut. Some people are saying it is. We would never really know. I feel like maybe Cody's having these wars in the gym that he probably, probably can go without to kind of give his brain the, the time to heal up. And again... That's only in theory. We don't know if that actually will work after you've been knocked out X amount of times, right? So maybe in in theory where if you got knocked out for the very first time, like a concussion protocol, you take the time off, no contact, you let your brain heal up, kind of like what Dominic Reyes is doing after being, you know, hit that many times to the head and knocked out. It's like you got to give your brain some time to rest, especially after the training camp. The training camp is usually where you take the most damage um, to the head, obviously, because you got the headgear on. You're sparring a lot two, three times a week. Some people, some people even spar more than that. They're crazy people. Don't do that. Um, so when you calculate all that impact that you're taking 
and then you get to the fight, and then you get knocked out, that's a lot of damage that you have to try to recover from. And hopefully not a short amount of time. We've seen like Marlon Marais try to come back too quickly and got knocked out by um, Corey Sanhagen, TKO. And then he ended up coming back again and fought Rob Font and got knocked out again. And then he fought Marab. He took some more time off, but then he fought Marab and got TKO'd again. But it's some of those moments where someone gets hit and the lights kind of get shut out in the middle of the fight where you're just like, is that a tell? that this guy or this girl might be towards the end of their career in terms of their durability. Now, if somebody's hitting you and you're just like, okay, I'm going to sit down now, that's something you and your coaches got to really talk about. And again, for Cody, former world champion, dominant fashion, beating a guy like Dominic Cruz the way he did so beautifully, clean. And now you see where he's at in this weird void where it's like he's... You know, obviously, Kai Cotafrance was a good matchup for him in terms of speed because he was the faster guy. But let's be honest, man. When you're starting to get sat down like that, you have to really take a look in the mirror and be honest with not only yourself, um, but with your team and everything. Because you don't want to... Unless your team knows what the what the deal is. Like, hey, man, we're just going to collect this paycheck. We're not going to get too hurt. This is the goal. Okay, cool. Go get your money, King. All right. I can't be mad at anybody ever doing that. But if you're going to try to drag your coaches through the mud, and not like, I'm not saying coaches dragging his coaches through the mud. I'm just saying in general, if you're going to take your coaches through the ringer of an intensive training camp, putting in so much time, and you know, or your coaches know, like, hey, man, you just probably can't take a shot at this point in your career. Maybe we should have a different kind of approach. That's a tough conversation you guys got to have. And again, you have to be honest with yourself and with your team and with the people around you. And hopefully your people around you are letting you know what's up. I mean, I think it's, it becomes pretty apparent and easy to see your fights from now and your fights from years ago where you got hit and you were fine. And now you're getting hit and you're getting sat down. It's a big difference. And again, people can say whatever they want. Kai Cotafrons can crack. Flyweights can crack. And... You cut that extra 10 pounds when you've never done it before, kind of like what TJ Dillashaw did. He took one of those shots, and his eyes rolled right back to the back of his head real quick when he fought Henry Udo. Barely got hit. I mean, obviously, it was the right spot, like, the, but still, eyes went out. Like, I got hit by Marlon behind the ear, and my eyes didn't roll back, but I lost my footing real quick. But if my eyes start rolling back in the back of my head real quick, I'm like, okay, coach, um... I think we got to talk, you know, because uh, things aren't looking good in terms of the performances. And I don't like the way I'm reacting and the way I'm looking in, in these fights. You know, it's not just what about what can you do skill set wise? Because Cody is phenomenal with terms of his skill set. You look at his skill set, the way he's performing. That's great. But it's about the durability as well. It's a young man's game. Us older dogs, eventually time catches up to us. All the wear and tear on our bodies catches up to us. And eventually we're not going to be able to be the same person that we were back in the past, you know. Um, even like the Tito Ortiz fight when he fought Anderson Silva in that boxing match, he got clipped and then, I, I mean, he was bobbing and weaving, bobbing and weaving in the corner. Tito Stoney's slow, slow punches and then he got hit and then Anderson Silva put his lights out, you know. So it's just one of those things, man. Father Time is undefeated for a reason and uh, it's just, again, you have to just have that hard conversation with yourself and with your team and your loved ones around you because you can't keep doing that, putting your health on the line and, and having those lights keep getting shut off over and over and over again because we don't know what that's going to do and what that's going to look like a couple years down the road, you know. So hopefully Cody gets some time to heal up and hopefully he made a shit ton of money. I hope so. And I hope he's made a good amount of money over his 
course of being with the UFC, being a UFC champion. Um, and I hope he did the right thing with his investments and stuff. And kudos to him, you know. And of course, congrats to Kai Kata France because that was huge. Um, I I, can't, I think he fought Brandon Moreno already, and I think Moreno won, if I'm not mistaken. So I would love to see that matchup again uh, at some point. <clears throat> I'm actually going to take a look. Um, <laughs> yeah, he did. He lost to Brandon Moreno in 2019, unanimous decision. So that would be a good one to, to run back at some point. He also lost to Brandon Royval. Okay. Now, this next one, Sean O'Malley. 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 <laughs> I'm like the biggest Sean O'Malley troll and supporter all in the same breath, you know? I like O'Malley. I like what he's doing. The guy's the guy is smart when it comes to advertisement. Is smart when it comes to promotion. It's smart when it comes to the way he speaks. It's smart when it comes to just understanding the fight game at a very young age. And making right business decisions for himself. And I hope a lot of other younger guys that are coming up, guys and girls, are watching this guy, seeing what he's doing, picking their shots, calling their fights, doing the right thing, not rushing too soon, making their money, stack their bread, use the UFC platform for what it is, elevate yourself outside of the octagon, because that's what it's all about. Not everybody wants to be super popular and all this stuff, again, but if you want to make the money in an entertainment business, sometimes that's what you got to do. You got to play the game a little bit. And Sean O'Malley knows how to play the game. Now, obviously, this was the first ranked guy, second ranked guy he fought. We saw what happened with the Cheeto Vera fight. Um, Piva probably shouldn't have been ranked. Kyler Phillips was a good win, but I don't think either one of them should have been ranked. Is Kyler Phillips super talented? Yes. Can Kyler Phillips have a good day against any of those other guys on a different day? Yes. But he, some, I think that's just how stacked this Bantamweight division is. I think one day you're here, the next day you're not. And, again, Amali did some beautiful things in that fight. And I think his movements, his fakes, his level changes, and he throws these misdirections and kind of like these curveballs, so to speak, where it looks like the shot's going one way, but then he hits you with something else, you know? Well, obviously, a curveball is probably not the best analogy, but a curveball is like, you know, it's a kind of like a changeup, you know? So that's, that's the best way I can explain it, where he's doing something with his right hand, and then as he's doing that, he's shifting his stance, and he's coming back with a cross down the middle from the southpaw position, or... Uh, he's hitting like a stutter step level change. You're, you're biting on that. Or he's doing a hip twitch and you're biting on that. And then he's hitting you with a long jab and then he's doing a J step out as you try to pressure him forward. Piper pressure him forward trying to cut him off. He can't. Because every time he pressures him forward, he's gone. Now, what I don't understand is why these guys aren't attacking the hell out of his legs. Because when you're circling like that, the same thing with Dominic Cruz. When you're circling like that, you do not have the ability to check a leg kick while you're circling laterally. You can step in with the cross because you're circling, but if a guy covers up and just chops down the legs, or if a guy is circling and a guy walks forward and then fires something right down the middle to the chest area, it's going to give some problems. And maybe they can catch those kind of kicks up top to the middle. Okay. But now if I cut you off and I hit you off and I fire something down to the body, how do you handle that? While you're doing a J step out, you got to watch out for knees. You got to watch out for kicks. You got to watch out for a lot of stuff. There's a lot of attacks that people can use. But when I see these guys kind of doing the same thing over and over and over again, it's very, it's very telling how the fight's going to go. O'Malley is a specialist when it comes to picking his shots. He's seen his openings and he doesn't hit you with a ton of volume. He just pokes. 
I'm going to take one here. Here's one point. I'm going to take one here. Here's another point. I'm going to poke you here into the belly with a front kick. You're going to try to catch my leg. I'm going to retract it, and I'm going to circle as you try to push forward, and I'm out of there again, and you're going to be chasing a ghost. And then I'm back in front of you again, poking you with another jab, faking the jab. You step in and overcommit. I'm going to hit you with a long cross as you come in on the counter and you overextend on your punch. And I counter over the top. Or you step in and I hit you with a one, two, bink, bink. And if I get you hurt, I know what I need to do. When he's doing like the Thomas Almeida, he's doing the basketball dribble. Uh, not the Thomas Almeida, the, uh, the Chris Montino fight. He's doing a basketball dribble through his legs as he's punching this guy in his face. And then he's going, ah, 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 like he's hitting a crossover in the middle of a fist fight. And I'm just like, I don't understand this. This is crazy, but it's entertaining. And he's winning these fights. No matter what people say, he's winning these fights. I would like to see him fight a bigger step up. And, of course, he has to get paid the right way. And I know that's what he wants. Paiva was the only guy really down the ladder. And it's, it's kind of respectful yet disrespectful the way Dana keeps saying, like, you can't do that to Sean Amal. You can't throw him in there with these ranked guys. He's not Hamzat Chamayev. He's not ready yet. And I'm like, okay. So he's ready for to be on the pay-per-view to bring eyeballs to the pay-per-view, right? So people are tuning in to watch Sean O'Malley. He's not getting paid what he should probably get paid to bring in those eyeballs um, in terms of his popularity. I'm pretty sure he's a popular guy, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people are tuning in to watch him fight. Whether or not his paycheck reflects that, I don't know if it does at this point. I would have to take a look and see where he's at for in terms of his last fight. I don't know if Las Vegas is disclosing paychecks anymore. Um, and then on top of that, he's not fighting any of these guys who are like, Really, I don't want to say not high level because everyone in the UFC is good, but styles make fights. And when you have a guy who has great quick twitch muscles like Sean O'Malley, great feints, great level changes, that's a hard problem to deal with. No matter what anyone wants to say, um, Paiva shot one time, O'Malley stuffed it, tossed him to the side of the cage, went right back to work with what he was doing, poking, poking, poking. The one opening he had, he hit him with the overhand right, caught him like right on the chin, rocked him, had him against the cage. Couple fades, up top, up top, up top, dug a left shot to the liver. That dropped Pivey's hands just enough where he could come back and hit him with some more kill shots. And that was the walk-off. And then he hit his signature, dribbled through the leg, and he shot his shot. Kobe. R.I.P. Um, so congrats to Sean O'Malley again. He's a fun fun guy to watch. Super entertaining. I I, I would like to see who he's going to fight next. I mean, I know Marab's been calling him out for a while. I don't know if the UFC is going to do that. They probably know... He's probably going to get taken down and mauled. <laughs> uh, but obviously, Marab will have to get past the, the, the height, the length, the reflexes, and the striking of O'Malley. But I think once Omal, once uh, Marab takes his time, finds his time, and cuts him off and puts the pressure on him, I think it's a good night for Marab. You know? So I think that would be a tough fight. And whatever. We'll see what happens with Sean O'Malley. The Sugar Show continues. And here, I'm here to watch it. Um, unless he's fighting Marab, you know, so it's all good for the bandweight division because people are tuning in. They think he's going to be the next champ at some point. We'll see. Styles make fights. And again, we haven't really seen his grab. We haven't seen his grappling game at all yet. And we've seen guys make it to a title shot, fight in the title fight. And when the tough got going because they fought a grappler, they don't know what to do. And that's probably exactly what's going to happen. I'm not saying it is, but it probably will. And it probably is, especially if it's me at the top of the helm by then, you know, so we'll see. But congrats again, Sean Amal. You deserve it. Um, there's a couple of good fights. I, I don't want to spend too much time talking about all these other fights because there's so many good ones, and this podcast will just be way too long. Uh, Josh Emmett got a big win. Dominic Cruz beats Pedro Munoz after coming back after a very, very tough um, round one. 
It looked like he got he got hurt three times, but he dropped him with the jab. Then he hurt him again. We sat him down. I don't know if they count that one as a drop because again he face planted again off the initial attack from Pedro. But then Cruz came back and battled well properly in the in the second and the third round and put on a, a a phenomenal pace and output, just landing these crazy looking punches where it just looked like the slingshot where he's just like ha 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 ha. They they come at these weird awkward angles. And shoots it up, and then boom! It's like it's like a slingshot type of punch, and he really corks his entire body into it. Or he'll throw the straight long punches, and then he'll step off to the side, J step um, or L step, depending on which one he's looking to do. Great footwork. This looks like the best Dominic Cruz we have we haven't seen in a very long time. And he's another one of those guys where he's starting to take a shot. Obviously, it was a jab. He was doing like a hop step. He got caught with the jab coming in. But the other shot that he got hit with when he was on the cage, I think it was a left hook. It's very telling of, of obviously, 36. Maybe at this point in his career, those shots are starting to add up, and it could be the same story of what we saw with with um, Cody Garbrandt. Now, isn't that fascinating how Cody Garbrandt beat him and the trajectory of both of the careers, one went up, one went down, and now the other is back up, and the other is going down, which is so crazy how this sport can be, man. It's... It's the name of the game, and it's it's a uh, it's a tough one, man. It really is. And to be around as long as Dominic Cruz has been, congrats to him and his team. Uh, I wonder what's next for him because that's going to be. I mean, there's Marab, but Marab um, will have to hunt him down and chop those legs down, man. Uh, but that would be an interesting matchup, I think. Um, next one, tied to Avasa, big one for him. Did the shoey nasty check hook. Now I, I'm not. I'm going to keep this one short and sweet. The beautiful thing about that check hook. If you look how he hits that check hook, it's very reminiscent of how Kamaru Usman versus Jorge Masvidal 2. Usman comes in and hits that 3-2. The 2 gets there and actually connects before Masvidal can hit the check hook. Maybe it was a depth perception thing in terms of the reach or un- not realizing the, the, the distance management and getting caught. And now you see this one. The check hook cracks um, Sakai before he has the opportunity to connect with the right hand and he kind of rolls Bam Bam kind of rolls with that right hand and again he connects puts it on the, the finishing touches the way he fell I, I always that makes me cringe I think that's what the word cringe should mean when people say cringe for all these things I'm just like I feel like you guys just use the word like epic when people just say epic just to describe everything oh it was epic oh we just went to the movies it was epic it's like dude shut up that's not what epic means you are devaluing the word Stop it. The same thing with this. When people say cringe for everything, I'm like, dude, that's not cringe. You don't know what cringe is. Cringe is something like that where a guy falls and just like, that's that's cringe. That's like, yo, that's bad. You know? Um, I guess cringe could be different kinds of usage in terms of what bad is. But in a situation like that, that made me cringe. Like, I, I was like, ooh, I felt bad for him when I saw that. The way he landed, it kind of reminded me of even like Rash- the Rashad fight. Um, when he, when he lost the, the, the title, I forgot to who it was, but it was just one of those things, man, to, to see some people get knocked out like that, that could be some of the most brutal things to see. And then to, to grab their, their leg and their foot and to try to twist the leg out so that they can untangle themselves. It's like, while you're unconscious, dude, it's scary, man. You know, so it's a freaking tough sport. I don't know how people do this. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Um, Andre Muniz, beautiful uh, armbar submission. Bruno Silver had a nasty TKO over Jordan Wright. Timed that one perfectly. And the one that kind of really um, shocked me was Blanchfield. 
Her beating Miranda Maverick the way she did, super dominant, took her down, passed the guard almost at will whenever she wanted. It was a testament to how good she is as, at 22 years old to do that to Miranda Maverick or like that, who I think and still think is a potential title contender. And the way she kind of dispatched her, now Miranda is on the two-fight losing skid. The last one, when she lost to Macy Barber, split decision, I kind of felt like she won that fight. And now you got this one. And so it's, it's, it's a tough position for her to be in. But this one was super dominant. The third round was a little bit better for Miranda when she started landing those strikes. I think Joe Rogan and those guys were commentating. I had to watch this one back because I was kind of lit. Um, and I was doing some stuff working for the fan experience. So I didn't get to watch all this in its entirety when I was at the event. They were saying something like the coach said, you're grappling too much. And I, I think after watching it and listening, it sounded like they were saying like maybe she was grappling too much in terms of when she was grappling, not landing any strikes and trying to do damage, if that makes more sense. So I, I think, because if they were telling her she was grappling too much and she was dominating, getting cross-eyed like that, coach, you're fired. We're in the back room, coach. I think we're done here. You know what I mean? That's just like, that would be the dumbest advice any coach can give their athlete after them having so much success and telling them, hey, instead of us running the ball down these guys' throat because we're, we're eating up all this yardage, we're going to try to pass the ball even though we're not clearly haven't shown that we're going to have success with that. Or anytime we have done that, we didn't have that much success. And she didn't have the greatest success on the feet, but she did a great job of tying her up, her entry into her takedowns, and again, passing the guard like butter. Watch the hip switch. I think it was in round two where she steps over um, from Miranda's butterfly. And Miranda is good on the ground. And for her to do that to her like that, again, kudos to her because I think she she is the future contender that people need to start paying attention to. So that division is getting some real um, depth. I think her, Casey O'Neill, even Miranda's still in there. But there's a couple of tough girls in that division, man. It's going to be a fun one um, going forward. And it's nice to see the female division kind of finally gaining some, like, uh, momentum. Uh, not momentum, more depth in terms of, like, the athletic skill and the overall skill set of the females. Because before it was, like, very one-sided where Ronda Rousey was coming through, just running through everybody because no one really knew how to grapple or defend judo throws. You know, now you're starting to see these females that actually know how to wrestle. They actually know how to use jujitsu the proper way. They know how to get up. They know how to pass guard. They know how to strike now. It's not these ugly-looking punches where it's just like I could tell they're just bringing people in just to bring them in just to keep it kind of... Um, I don't even know what to call it. I don't even have the proper word to describe that. But it's just nice to see that the female divisions are starting to get some depth with some real talent. So I hope that doesn't come off as disrespect because it's not. I think it's just showed us I actually watched the fights and, you know, you can see skill from before where the sport was at. And, of course, the men's sport, but we had a lot more talented people overall, overall, because the depth, the depth of the division is just a bigger pool of people that are actually trying to compete and do the sport. Now you're starting to see real female athletes come out and partake in uh, MMA. Uh, Tony Kelly beat Randy Costa. Randy Costa, he is the one-round wonder. Again, loses after the fight gets out of the first round. I just, if the fight doesn't end in the first round, for him to win, he's losing the fight. You know, that's pretty much the theme of his career. Um, kind of sucks. He's, he's a fun guy to watch because he brings it. Tony Kelly looked good. I think that might have been his second win in a row. At 135, he is 5'11", 5'9", 34 years old. I'm tired of these tall-ass dudes, man. Stay your tall-ass in another weight class, man. Get out of here. Yeah, two wins in a row for him. And Jillian Robertson taking down Coachera, um, Priscilla, and defending a, an eye poke at the end of the round while she's trying to guide, like, gorge her eye out with her thumb to try to escape the rear naked choke. Kudos for trying 
to get out by all means necessary. But that was just rude. <laughs> that was just straight up rude. Um, other than that, man, uh, thank you guys for always tuning in. Remember, if you like my shit, subscribe to my shit or spin it back fist, baby. I'll see you guys later. Peace. I'm about to go touch the rule. Go touch the pavement. You're done knowing. We're there. General. Big man thing.